0: The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. It's really great to be with all of you on this Friday and to be in front of a full house. We want to welcome, as you've already been welcomed, all of you who are guests, prospective students, your families and friends. It's really great to have you here to experience Cairn today. And I look forward to the time that I'll have with you a little bit later as well. And for all of you current Cairn students, Praying that you're holding up well as we enter into the the uh, final turn of the semester, that the Lord would give you grace and strength equal to the tasks that are in front of you. Uh, you are being prayed for on a daily basis, and we trust the Lord will give you grace and that you have in front of you a good weekend. But what a week, huh? The Highlanders really did it up big this year. Um, all the athletic teams, congratulations to everybody. Huge, huge. Keep your eye on Instagram, but uh, it's been a great season for our our student-athletes and for all the teams, and we're really grateful for all of you who participate and all of you who support uh, the athletic programs here at Cairn. And tonight we have an event here uh, in the uh, Chatlow's Chapel. We have the Opera Theater uh, tonight, which is going to be exciting. So be sure and come out uh, for that and to uh, take advantage of all the things that are on the schedule uh, in the next several weeks. It will help you take a break from the rigors of your studies and your schoolwork. It's also been a big week here because, um, you know, we, we have celebrated uh, Nurse uh, uh service and uh, had to bear uh, the painful departure of her as she moves on to other things in life. But uh, my wife, actually, uh, who's a nurse, was volunteering here on Wednesday. So I was in the nurse's station a lot. In fact, some of you know the story, my wife and I met at a Christian camp where I was directing the horsemanship program, and she was a camp nurse, and I was sick a lot that summer. Um, And so uh, it was a good week for me uh, to have my wife on campus uh, for part of it anyway. This morning, I want to continue this series, some things we may have forgotten, reacquainting ourselves with key biblical truths. This is the third installment in that series. I was with you last week and we talked about sin in the fall. Prior to that we talked about creation and not just the theology of these things but that, that, that you have an opportunity to study in your Bible and theology classes. What I want to do in these sessions is to cause us to think about the implications of those things and the importance of not forgetting them. The importance of being reminded of these key truths that even though we may be studying them or we give assent to them, we have to actually spend some time thinking about what they mean to us and to our faith and the way that we think and live, the way we carry out even our daily lives. And so I want to continue with that in a vein that we would be thinking about these key biblical truths, particularly the implications of them for our lives, but also in a day and an age and a world that is the one we live in now which is complicated and complex and actually to a very large degree rejecting the idea that there is knowable absolute truth outside of your and my creating of it as Christians we are truth seekers not truth makers and so it's an important thing in the world in which we live to remember the truths of the Bible and what they mean for us in our faith, and for the Lord's church, and for the way we think, and the way we live. I want to continue that this morning in the third installment in this series, Some Things We May Have Forgotten. This morning, I want to remind us about the resurrection. The passage that Dr. Porcella read for us from 1 Corinthians 15 is a pretty complete passage in Scripture, the entire chapter dealing with The idea of resurrection, because obviously the Christians of that time and in that place needed to be reminded of it, and the Apostle Paul felt that very strongly, and so he reminds them of the truth of the resurrection, both the resurrection of Jesus and the promise and hope of our own bodily, physical transformation and resurrection. It's absolutely essential to the Christian faith and the way we live out our lives. And the Apostle Paul knew this and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writes this down for these Christians and actually even declares at the beginning of this chapter that he intends to remind them. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, chapter 15 and verse 1. That idea of being reminded is an essential to the Christian faith, to your Christian discipline, to your being discipled and your discipling of others. We are not making up new things. We are reminding one another of those eternal things that shape our faith. And it's an important part of Christian ministry to be reminded and to remind. I shared this in here before. Someone described for me that good preaching is just that, reminding us of the eternal truths of God's Word, that we might come to appreciate them more fully, believe in them more completely, submit to them more willingly. To let the Spirit of God use the Word of God to do the work of God, to conform us to the image of Jesus and bring us into spiritual maturity. Now it's safe to say that not all of us think about it that way, and not even all of us want that. But that is actually what we're called to do as Christians. It's what the Spirit is doing in us and what the Word of God promises to do as it shapes us and convicts us and teaches us. And so this morning, I want to look at the resurrection. And as I'm thinking about talking about resurrection, some things we may have forgotten, it seems like a bit of a stretch to actually think that Christians have forgotten the truth of resurrection. But the question is, are we mindful of the resurrection and the implications of this truth for the way we think and live out our faith every day. That is obviously obviously something you and I need to be confronted with in the same way these Corinthian Christians needed to be confronted with it. That in the coming and going of life, though we give assent to this idea of the resurrection and this teaching of the church, this doctrine, if you will, the question is, do we really think about it in a way that it changes the way we think and live out our faith and live our lives and make our decisions every day, or is it just something that is sort of distant from us? You know, we did this when we talked about creation. We all, as Christians, would give assent to creation, but do we fully appreciate what the creation narrative gives for us in in, in outlining and underscoring the authority of God to create things out of nothing by the power of his word and then intimately shape and form humankind in his own image and likeness and then give humankind A role to play in this world to to give us dominion over this earth and then we talked about sin in the fall the same thing it's really hard to be a christian and deny the idea of sin but do we live like sin in the fall is the thing that has corrupted and broken everything in this world our minds our wills our systems our judgment our sensibilities our treatment of one another if we find that if we start thinking that something else is the source of what ills this world besides sin and the fall, every remedy downstream of those assumptions is wrong. And the same thing would be true today. The resurrection is not just a doctrine to which we give assent. It's much more than that. And Paul obviously felt this because in the first letter to the Christians at Corinth, he begins the 15th chapter with these words, "Now I would remind you." It's a necessary thing for us to revisit key truths and to think on them deeply and to reflect upon their meaning and impact and honestly evaluate whether we are living in light of them. This would be true of the resurrection. It's not a stretch to say we need to be reacquainted with it. I have thought on the resurrection Quite a bit particularly as I've thought about this series and there's a particular story that comes to mind some years ago several decades ago I was talking to a group of Christian young people teenagers high schoolers about the Christian faith and I said that many of us operate on assumptions that may be part of our traditions and our thinking that aren't necessarily rooted in scripture for instance I've come across many Christians in my life who believe that we will spend eternally eternity as non non-corpore, corporeal spirit beings, clouds of vapor floating in the, the the heavens, you know, playing harps and you know, sort of giving off light rays or something. And that's not true. We will receive imperishable, immortal, incorruptible bodies. We will be raised and changed and live forevermore that's what the scripture teaches and virtually every student in front of me said no 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 where's that coming from and my response was first corinthians 15 for one but the truth is it had crept into their thinking. I don't think that they believed it theologically or doctrinally. They were giving they understand. They, they these were students who were used to quoting the Apostles' Creed, the belief in the resurrection of the body. But in their sensibilities and their daily judgments, they were living like this is all there is to our being embodied creatures and when it's over we'll just be clouds of vapor. And the truth is in a moment of pure honesty, you would admit that that doesn't sound all that good. And so I think what happens is, we say, that if, if that's all there is, then it subconsciously starts to affect the way we view life on this earth, and our passions, and our desires, and our physical beings. But in reality, we were created to live forever with the Lord physically. And on that day, as Dr. Porcella read, when the trumpet sounds, we will all be changed, and the dead in Christ will rise incorruptible. We will live forever with the Lord That's the truth of the Bible. And we can't allow that to somehow be diluted in our thinking by the the things that are going on around us. That experience caused me to think on the issue of the resurrection. It's 25 years ago almost. That that what happens is we also tend to think that that we should be careful about the things we say we believe with any kind of certainty or conviction because the world's not going to like what we have to say. They're going to think we're crazy. Yes. Because we believe in the virgin birth and the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That God becomes flesh. We believe in the resurrection. We believe in the Lord's table. The partaking symbolically of his broken flesh and his shed blood. Even in Jesus' own day, when he started to talk that way after feeding the multitudes, his disciples said, Jesus, you got to tone it down a little bit. No one's going to stick with us if we start talking about eating your body and drinking your blood. And Jesus said, if they won't do that, they have no part of me. Let them go. The truth is, we believe things that are in the minds of the skeptics and cynics and secularists around us a little bit crazy. The bodily resurrection of the dead the reanimation of 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 decomposing flesh the reunion of souls with bodies forever that's what we believe as christians and paul's going to assert in this particular chapter that if we don't believe in that we can't believe in the resurrection of jesus and everything else falls And so, in in a sense, when we're thinking about the resurrection, it's very important to remember that like the virgin birth, the incarnation, the Lord's table, a real heaven and a real hell, the idea of resurrection is absurd to the skeptics and critics of Christianity. It's irrational. It's inconceivable. It's inconsistent with the world's assumptions about life and reality, and yet it's absolutely critical to our Christian faith. In fact... As Paul outlines here, the entire Christian faith hangs upon this reality, that Jesus died and was raised from the dead and is alive forevermore. It's more than a doctrine to which we adhere, it's a truth to which we cling. And Paul is writing to a group of Christians who are living in an extremely secularized context a pagan context where the ideas of the world are pressing down upon them and he's reminding them that this gospel that 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 you embraced which which brought you unto salvation is the thing to which you must cling now as you navigate christian life in this world that message to the corinthians is extremely timely to you and i in this contemporary age we must cling to this truth and paul underscores it with great effect In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul ties the resurrection of Jesus to our own. They're inextricably linked. If one is not real or true, neither is the other. And if these are not true, then in Christ we have hope in this life only, and we, quote, are of all people most to be pitied. That's how essential a firm conviction is in the resurrection of Jesus and the hope of our own bodily resurrection is. The Apostle Paul says in chapter 15, verse 12, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God, that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. See what Paul is doing? You can't have one without the other. They hang together. And so often what ends up happening is we say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, He rose from the dead. Yeah, yeah, it was physical. Yeah, yeah, it was bodily. I get that. You know, that's, that's the thing we as Christians believe. Without seeing that that is inextricably connected to the hope that you and I have that we will live forever with him in immortal bodies. The Apostle Paul must have felt that this was incredibly important for these early Christians to understand, to put this in front of them and remind them that they might cling to it. Well, what are the implications of the resurrection then as they're lined out here? just have a couple things that I want you to think about this morning. Again, not intending to be exhaustive in the chapel time this morning on the resurrection, but there are a few things that we should be thinking about. From the resurrection comes confidence and assurance of our salvation. The grave could not hold our Lord and Savior. Death could not claim Him. The power of sin is broken and the sting of death in the grave is overcome. We should then live out our faith in a robust way that rests upon and reflects this powerful truth. In the resurrection, both the resurrection of Jesus and as Dr. Porcella read, the resurrection of of you and I, when the trumpet sounds, it, it secures and finalizes salvation. It isn't just the death of Jesus that matters. It is the fact that he overcame sin and death and the grave. It is defeated forever forever, we place our faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, believing that His shed blood is the atoning sacrifice for the payment of sin, and it is proven appropriate because He is God who is perfect and without sin, put in our place to die on our behalf, and he is, His resurrection seals the deal. It is defeated once and for all. And we should have confidence and assurance in our salvation that Jesus lives. Many individuals have been killed. Religious leaders, martyrs, prophets have been killed. Jesus is alive. Many religious figures throughout the ages have have died for the things they have taught and been martyred and clung to and idolized and, 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 and replicated in statues and figures. Jesus was laid in a grave and then appeared to his followers just three days later, perfectly fine, changed to live forever. Only Jesus. And so our salvation has a stony, permanent, eternal, forceful, forceful quality to it. And it should give us a sense of assurance and confidence and also knowing that when the trumpet sounds and all things come to conclusion. We will be changed and raised and live forever, demonstrating to Satan and his fallen angels that death is finally defeated because we will be alive forever with him. That should affect us. If it doesn't affect us, then maybe we don't appreciate the gravity of sin and the fall, the penalty of death. This is life and life eternal that is secured for us. From the resurrection also, there are other things. The resurrection underscores the power that Jesus has over sin in the grave. Remember in John 10, he teaches us as he's talking about himself being the good shepherd, he reminds us that he lays down his life for the sheep. No one takes it from him. I have the authority to lay it down, and I alone have the authority to take it up again. I lay down my life, and I take it up again. Our faith in Jesus should be fortified by this truth of the resurrection and his power that is demonstrated in it. He is more than conceivably capable to save your soul. If you're sitting here with a doubt, put it out of your mind, because this one overcame death. He's not a possibly adequate sacrifice for your sins and secure of your salvation. He is the victor. He is the good shepherd. The resurrection of Jesus and the promise of our own resurrection also gives us hope. And this hope should give us perspective. And this is the perspective that we need to have. This life is not all there is. I uh, got pushed into some years ago, Instagram. I was resistant. I have a very low-key approach to social media, right? Uh, I I let my wife handle the Facebook thing. I don't even touch that with a 10-foot pole, right? What I do is Instagram, largely because I just like sharing some of that with you and the happy times that we have together virtually, whatever that looks like. But I've noticed something on Instagram. Instagram. I've noticed these kind of recurring things this life is short make every day count why would you spend one day doing something that doesn't give you satisfaction life is short only do the things that make you happy those may sound good but for the Christian we have to understand that the Lord Jesus his love and obedience to his father was such that he went to death even death on a cross We have to understand that the apostles and early martyrs were poured out like a drink offering, not because they were crazy, but because they believed this life is not all there is. When the apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, he has his eyes on eternity and the resurrection. That's the way the Christian is supposed to live. Be very careful that the thinking of the world doesn't somehow seep into you, that while you're not supposed to waste your days, that's just bad stewardship, this is not all there is. If it is, then you'll be led to satisfy every earthly and fleshly passion you have. Get it all now, because it will all be over soon. But for the Christian, we look forward to the day when, when the trumpet will sound, and we will be changed and raised and live forever with him. Something happens to us when we have our hope in the resurrection. There is a perspective that we gain that life on this earth is not all there is. The hope of eternal life rests upon the truth of the resurrection and this should loosen our grip on this life and the temporal things of this world. It should give us the faith and courage we need to live boldly without fear of that which terrifies those who do not have this hope and cling to this truth. They are deathly afraid I had a significant influence in my life in graduate school. I spent eight years with her doing research for almost every day for eight years. She wanted to be published so that she would be immortalized. Guess what? You can be published. They'll put your book on a shelf in a library. But eventually, somebody, if not everybody, is going to forget about it. There is no immortality apart from faith in Jesus Christ. What happens? We want to get as much as we can out of this life because pretty soon the rides are going to get shut down and the park is going to be closed and we'll leave it unhappy. When the Bible teaches that once we find ourselves in the presence of God for all eternity, we will experience nothing but joy and happiness. There's nothing in this world that compares to what is to come. But do we live like that every day? It's very tempting to believe that life is short and therefore we build a value system without even realizing it that places too great an emphasis on the temporal. In reality, life on this earth is brief. It is but a passing shadow and withered grass. But for those who have faith in Jesus, there is everlasting and eternal life. So the time we're given here should be appreciated, never taken for granted, stewarded well and viewed as preparation for the life to come. That's what the resurrection does. It's not just a doctrinal, doctrinal idea that we hold to that proves that we're Christians. It should change the way we think and live. I think I can make a pretty strong argument that almost every moral decision that you are, that you are tempted with, almost everything that comes at you, If you stopped and thought about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it secures for you, and the fact that one of the things it secures for you in addition to forgiveness and redemption is the promise of eternal life and the securing of your own resurrection, you might start to think differently about the temptations and the trials and the things in front of you. Nothing we bear in this life can overcome that. And nothing we experience in this life can overshadow what is to come. You and I, on that last day, everything changes forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word and for your spirit using it to accomplish your work in us. And we pray this morning, as we navigate our life this week, our relationships, our responsibilities, that you might give us time and inclination to pause and to think On this powerful truth the truth of the resurrection the resurrection of your son Jesus and the promise of our own father we pray that we might be people who understand fully the gift of life and yet do not see that this life in the here and now and on this earth is all there is give us eternal perspective give us a view of our trials and adversities and temptations From the perspective of the promise of resurrection and the victory that is ours in and through the resurrection of your Son Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.